Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. product sponsorship are you kidding me i would love any kind of sponsorship at this point welcome back Feed me <laughs> welcome back welcome back you know um we are rounding out the year zig we are here in god we're actually at the end of september going into your daughter is about to turn two october that's right not that everybody needed to know that but that is true it is true. I mean, like a bit of inside, a bit of I'm behind sure the our scenes listeners knowledge. Know that you have kids. I mean, a bit of behind the scenes knowledge. Yes, we are coming on to the. You know, if you look at our Spotify thing, anniversary the second tag on it is personal stories. So second yes, anniversary. Doc is a father, everybody. Of the birth of my daughter, um, also known as a birthday, is upon us. Uh, <laughs> We are here in, it is officially spooky season. Summer has officially wound down. Uh, we are actually officially in fall as we speak. I feel like now is always, you know, a perfect time. Uh, September is a pretty good time for reflection, right? And I wanted to take a look back onto one of the topics that we started the year out on, right? Uh, the loneliness epidemic, right? Uh, we opened up our year talking about how Americans are lonelier than ever especially you gen zers hey hey zoomers we gotta sorry if we come across as uh, old men shouting at clouds but you know sometimes your elders are right we've learned it as millennials times i don't know what this nigga is talking about um what i am talking about what but I, sometimes you need to go out and touch some fucking grass what i'm referring to is the fact according to a business insider article americans 18 to 25 are reportedly feeling lonelier than ever in a recent study that is on the heels of 90 percent of america's companies forcing a return to work order uh by the end of the year that's right the remote boom is now coming to an end we are truly seeing what is a shifting from pandemic time standards of living yeah insurance companies some insurance companies aren't even covering the uh latest round of covid boosters um and i feel like you know this loneliness epidemic wasn't necessarily spurred by the you know covid time restrictions didn't help but it was certainly exasperated by it right who was glad for covid tiktok (laughs) and and netflix and social media with that being said right there were a lot of we we had some times um we we met some folks that were exotic in nature so, um, but we all shared some collective experiences together. Doc um, shared several articles with me. As I was going into these articles, right, um, especially this one, right, on Gen Z being so lonely that they are spending thousands of dollars trying to make friends through um, gym memberships and social clubs. We all know, as we've discussed previously throughout the years, um, Gen Z 
does not like making friends with their co-workers right so i do not think this return to work order is going to necessarily help the loneliness epidemic I, we are also seeing articles like gen z does not feel bad about skipping happy hour with their co-workers even if it comes at the cost of hurting their careers now these right? articles hold on so one was saying that people are paying thousands of dollars to make friends and the other is saying that they are running well, the fuck away. Thousands of dollars on gym memberships and social clubs, right? So social clubs being anything from like one of the uh, one of the people interviewed for this article was talking about how they spend ten dollars a month um, for a membership to a mini golf. I'm just gonna say, stand up comedy is free if you are sober. I wasn't sober, um, and it was still free for me. But yeah, no. It's one... almost bad etiquette if you drink and go to do open mic and don't buy something. <laughs> well, yeah, if you don't buy a drink at the bar. But one of the people in the article being interviewed was, you know, spending as low as like ten dollars a month for a membership to a mini golf place around the corner from them that they could, you know, meet and socialize with their friends after work, right? Other people in the article, however, are spending upwards to as much as $3,000 a month for memberships to like Soho clubs and stuff like that, where they can go to meet uh, a clubhouse whose stated purpose is for like-minded creative thinkers to meet and relax, have fun and grow. They're also, you know, spending money on gym memberships just to, you know, socialize and meet with people in classes. And those memberships can range anywhere from $20 a month to $500 a month, depending on the kind of activities you're doing at these uh, gym memberships. And you uh, are saying, you know, you are going as far as to try stand up just to meet and socialize with people right because effectively you work as a freelance contractor who does not have co-workers that he can I, meet up with in the also, office also recently i have been looking specifically for serving jobs just because i miss the restaurant the social interaction the right? restaurant environment so do you think all right so like let's dissect these the two things here the return to work order like i want to talk about the return to work order right because in 2023 when like the, the i i personally think a lot of the return to work order has to do with the fact that these companies have invested so much money in office real estate that if they were even like contemplating the idea of conceding with even like having their uh employment staff with remote workers right like they are taking a considerable loss on the amount of money that they put into office real estate there's that right which is why we should have already known like there was no way that the remote work in america was going to become the new standard like one thing real quick is does the supposed loss in productivity from people working at home is that offset by the amount that you pay in rent for an office space. I think the numbers are still out on that though, right? Because there's numbers to support 
increased productivity rates from allowing people the opportunity to exactly. work from so home. So they have to take all of that into account and be like, does this outweigh the cost of having this brick and mortar stop? Right. Spot. Like, right. A lot of speculation of why people are fighting so hard against returning to work, though, is the fact that uh, Gen Z it has been kind of labeled as a bit anti-social right so much so that there was uh, a fortune article that came out earlier this week where the channel 4 ceo channel 4 in britain was stating that <laughs> some of her gen z employees are some of the hardest employees she's had to work with so much it going as far as to say that uh gen z can not work alongside other people because with different views because they haven't got the skills to disagree first of all i feel like alex mahone uh the channel 4 ceo that is an extremely inflammatory statement like i mean like what what does that even mean they don't have the skills to disagree um but according to her what we are seeing is young people who come into the workspace but particularly gen z uh particularly post pandemic with this concentration of short form content that don't have the skills to debate things right um she's alleging uh, alluding to the fact that because of gen z's like type of content consumption that they don't have the attention span to really like focus and critical think outright saying they haven't got the skills to discuss things they haven't got the skills to disagree there are a lot of uh work professionals in this article who are saying that they have had to do things um like implement soft skills courses for their gen z employees who don't know how to navigate awkward conversations with colleagues how to like give meetings and con or take constructive feedback right from people that they don't necessarily agree with even going as far to conduct studies um that say a quarter of gen z respondents have very little tolerance for people with beliefs that they disagree with um meanwhile half of them saying that they believe that some people deserve to be outright canceled which i once again feel like is a totally loaded statement um but in your experience working with people of the younger also, gen z in school currently demographic do you feel like that that part holds true that they have very little tolerance for people with different belief systems than them because in my experience working with people from the gen z demographic i don't i don't find that to be true at all uh okay so i will give you an example from a recent class that i had and i don't know there's a couple of factors at play and i will say that the first uh would be the uh short attention span or lack of attention to what i'm saying the second would be the very niche area of study that i am doing and third would be my choice of verbiage presentation which if i am writing in my academic sense uh like my proposal was full of a lot of big words so are you saying that the, they didn't understand the um the level of verbiage you were using i think that they were and this is something that i am at fault with and i worked with my professor as well 
when I read my statement, a few said, I don't know why to care about this. I don't know what you're saying. There is a lot of big words. And then my professor was like, how can we make this so you can make an impact and present it in a way that anybody can understand it? Uh, but he also qualified that by saying that my paper would be the type of paper to read in 334, which would be the globalization class, um, which I almost feel was like, like a subtle, like, you're doing the right thing. So I feel like you hit on a point earlier, though, where I feel like there is a lot of miscommunication between Gen Z and um, some of their detractors gen z doesn't understand the point to a lot of the formalities right like uh, one of the things that they harped on in the article was um schools are also asking companies to give explicit guidance to hires on their first day including what to wear and where to get lunch um miami university even organized a dinner with senior leaders in order to teach proper mealtime etiquette such as how to engage in conversations on neutral topics pretty much what i gathered from that paragraph is gen z doesn't really care about dress code right or i don't either as a millennial they also <laughs> sounds like they might stray a little bit far when it comes to lunchtime right and don't you know return to office within a reasonable amount of time which we can argue that uh depending we, on the job th it, is the level of problematic I, yeah we can argue the level of problematic there we can also argue that 30 minutes is a problematic amount of time to allow somebody to get lunch uh, i'm going with the lunch hour like um most people don't get a lunch hour yeah i know <laughs> I'm, I'm saying like <laughs> like also, uh, mealtime etiquette, such as how to engage in conversations on neutral topics, is now, all right, there, there is that age-old adage, you don't discuss politics or religion But the other thing I was at thinking, work, right? do people take, quote-unquote, neutral topics and then make them volatile? Let's take one. Monday night football game. Two people talking where neither one is a fan of either team. And they get combated. I don't think that's the kind of neutral topics they need. I think in this case, you know, this is specifically referring to hot and button political issues, which Gen Z has no, seems to have no problem discussing at work, especially when it comes to quote unquote identity politics, right? And I find- I'm not gonna lie, some of, some of you Zoomers got it some absolutely absurd takes. Which is why they should be allowed to say them out loud, right? Especially- They should be encouraged in, to say them out yes, loud. Yes, yes, that's what I was- Speak yeah, right. with your whole chest, Gen Z. Which is why I find the pushback from the generation that is so insistent on labeling them as snowflakes for discussing these kinds of things in the workplace when they want to be able to make sexist jokes and they want to be able to make boomerism kind of statements, Ooh, this right? Is, this is a swerve I didn't expect from you. No, I hate articles like this, dude. Like, I hate articles where we single Gen Z out for their, like, moral 
takes in things like that because they don't necessarily mesh with the current standards but we will also then turn around and then label them as meek and too weak to lead and change things the way that things need to be changed the right? same energy that they have about being able to snap back it's the same energy they brought to protests that potentially save democracy. The right. same ones that they brought to the voter booth. Right. They have, they have the capability, which is why I think they get pushed back against the, the way they do. It's the reason why media jumped so quickly from millennials to Gen Z. Because remember, like millennials, we were the generation that was killing industry. Right. Like yeah. we were taking out industries left and right. And then one day, all of a sudden, didn't you notice it? No, you didn't, because it happened so quick. Right. They stopped talking about what millennials were doing because they kneecapped us. Effectively, we can't do shit right now because all of us are stuck in some kind of like crippling debt. Right. But you know who isn't? And you know what yet? the shitty thing about a millennial is? Crippling debt can even be relative. Crippling debt to one person can be $500. But you know Another who crippling debt is can be $150,000. You know who isn't overwhelmingly strapped with crippling debt yet? Gen Z. Lots of them are just now coming of age where they are joining the workforce. I think like the first wave of Gen Z college graduates is like, you know, hitting the market. So lots more of them are coming of voting age as well, which is why I feel like they are trying extra hard to whip them into shape and to push them in line, right? Because like them in combination with millennials, like that is a voting block with a power not seen since the baby boomers. We are all very tired and very angry <laughs> right now. And Gen Z is not backing down when it comes to subverting the norms and the status quo, especially when it comes to workplace behavior, like socializing with your coworkers after work, right? right. Like they are not feeling like we need to be forced to maintain these fake workplace relationships, but, but, then they go home and they complain that it's hard to make friends. Do you think the disconnect is warranted? Kind of being in like the middle ground between Gen Z and millennial. I'm a millennial operating in a Zoomer space right now. So that's why, I, so like I said, operating in the middle ground there. Um, you know, you're technically you're a millennial, right? But you're young enough to still have a closer attachment to Gen Z than I do. I am. Right? I have come to realize, though, I am definitely old enough to not consider myself a Zoomer. Okay, what immediately makes you feel that way? My internship, we're built. We're building a media campaign for the MCS department. And my group decided to do a NESD classified school survival guide theme for like our presentation, which is cool. It's right. like really cool. It's so like did you, things you need to survive the MCS did, major. Have you seen Ned's Declassified? Of course I have. Okay. All right. So yeah, that was a piece of cult. That was a piece of pop culture. You could like culturally identify. I was with. surprised when I found out that they knew it. Do you know what year Ned's Declassified? first aired 
2006. 2004. 2004, okay. Somebody in my class said, it premiered in 2004? Holy shit, I was only two. That doesn't surprise me. I was 12. That doesn't surprise me, though, because by the time we were old enough to remember watching the Rugrats, the Rugrats had been out. For I guess for you it would have been like only two years, you know, maybe by the, and, and I, that's assuming you. So when when do you? I think, would probably be a, a year older than Angelica when the Rugrats debuted. The Rugrats debuted in 1990. Yeah, not 90. Yeah. Oh shit. See, Tommy's older than I am. See, that's okay. So listen. Once again, this is everybody looking at fucking Zoomers with Juvenoia, right? Juvenoia, TLDR, um, is like the, the fear of the youth and the way they're changing culture. I was taken aback. I was like, this show, from when I was in middle, early high school, yeah. you all still take to. And I was I, I, like, they because... said it, and I was like, no, I know this material. I can totally come and help with this. I'm... Yeah, that's how, that's how Gen Xers felt when we started watching Beavis and Butthead and shit like that, right? Because they're like, oh, dude, like, that show's from, like, when I was in, like, high school. Like, oh, you guys are, like, that's, yeah, when Beavis and Butthead Do America came out, you know, that's how Gen Xers felt, like. But I will also say, like, like I said, I am a millennial operating in a Gen Z world yeah. right now. Yeah. And I had an interview with my department head. Uh, and I showed him my resume. Like I said, I have 10 years of work experience. So, I mean, my resume is not like a nothing word document. Right. Like, thing even aesthetically looks nice. And this would be the first time I talked to my department head. I've never had a class with him before. Through the interview, he was like, wow, your, your resume, like, looks good. You're very charismatic. I mean, you come across with somebody you've never talked with before very well very easy so was he trying to like pick you up like because he was lonely i don't under no my whole point was is this came across to him as something that was like new and despite him being himself being a gen xer he engages so much with gen z that having somebody who is a millennial with those personable skills, those traits, those tra oh, okay, those kind of workplace traits and qualities was like uh, refreshing to him, right? Yeah. yeah, like I would love to see how Zoomers, based off of what I have been hearing from these articles that you have been reading, how they would operate as a server in a restaurant. And I worked with Zoomers as servers in restaurants, right? And I there was a fair amount of them who were who came off as this art or these articles read right like almost kind of like inept really just needed to be like walked through and handheld eventually they were able to get on track right and they were able to get a hold and grasp the uh kind of requirements and or demands they of the job they didn't survive oh right and and then there were the ones that like there were also zoomers that i worked with that naturally also took to kind of learning quickly and adapting to the demands and requirements of the job so i feel like it's totally unfair to paint the entire generation as their outliers no matter how loud or frustrating they are right like i do not feel the overwhelming amount of 
Gen Zers are difficult to work with. What, I don't think they're difficult to work with. What I, I think is difficult to work with is their expectations, right? Like, because they do come into the workplace expecting and demanding a lot more than Gen Xers were, and even millennials who were beaten into submission and taught to, like, you know, play their role quietly. We were taught to, you know, play we're the back getting end. louder. To play the back end, and eventually you will see eventually, your hard all work of us will be stand up pay off, right? Eventually, you will see your hard work pay off, and you will work your way up through the ranks. Is the way us millennials and Gen Xers were taught. We were tricked into that. Gen Z saw that shit. They saw the results of that shit, and they said, "No, fuck that. No, we're not doing that." Right? Which is why they like. They birthed the fucking gig economy boom. I will say millennials, you know, they piggyback. Okay, there I will push back and say that they piggybacked off of some of the groundwork that millennials laid out of necessity. necessity. Yes, absolute necessity, right? Because we came into a very, like, brittle job market. And Gen Z watched all of that shit. Right, and they're not fucking around, dude. They they have also made and laid the groundwork to become one of the most mobile and active generations that we've seen in a long time. Leading forces on gun control. Look at the Parkland kids. Fine. It's unfair to even call them kids anymore. They're not, and that's kind of what these articles are talking about. But this generation is also, in contrast, having a hard time building genuine relationships with each other it seems like these articles are saying they don't know how to interact with other generations they don't know how to interact with each other period right they all hold very strong convictions and they are all very passionately motivated but what they also lack passionately is, but are they vocally twitter fingers they lack are different is confidence right say it with your chest they lack the confidence to interact socially with people they disagree with and confidence doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be vocal about the things that they're concerned about because we've all seen these karens get called out by these gen zers online right if gen zers are cutting somebody off based off of a single disagreement they are disregarding the opportunity to find things that they do agree on. Uh, they learn best from their Gen X or Karen ass parents is what I feel like. And um, I feel like the people who write the articles where they're like, Gen Z is just difficult and they can't agree with anybody. Those, those are the people that they learn to be difficult from. They learn to be difficult. It's like the dare commercials, right? Like I learned it from you, Dad. Like, I mean, I I have friends of mine, like my friend Drew, who may or may not be listening. He's more right leaning, but we both love ten year aged whiskey. So Ooh, we're still I'm, friends. I'm glad you finished that sentence. Um, listeners, do not do not clip that out of context. Um, <laughs> You know who else likes whiskey? Gen Z. Um, no, actually, Gen Z is uh, drinking... All about the reefer. Yeah, less alcohol than all previous generations. Um, shout out to you guys. Now, there were some takes in here as to... 
I guess, kind of place the blame with what's going on with Gen Z and the social awkwardness on the pandemic and saying that they missed out on a lot of that social training when it came to like lockdown and things like that. And I, I mean, two years for a 14 to 16 year old is much different than two years for a 28 to 30 year old. I do. So I guess, you know, I don't know how much I faith I put in that argument, though, as much as like, I feel like that's completely ignoring the fact that the fucking economy sucks right now dude like work-life balance sucks right now um rent is too fucking high so i don't think gen z would be struggling to find time to be social if work-life balance opportunities weren't so like unbalanced this is on top of the article that's saying that gen z is spending thousands of dollars right on trying to socialize with gym memberships and stupid social clubs right my thing is what the fuck do zoomers do on lunch break like do they literally just throw in their airpods you sit in the faculty lounge and eat their ham what, and cheese sandwich what, that costed eight dollars what what do you do on lunch break my nigga because i am part of the eat my lunch in my car club like i literally like the <laughs> it was it was almost like considered a faux pas because it's very common in my line of work to eat lunch with the rest of like you know your staff there right like the rest of the people on your team everybody goes to lunch at the same time so everybody eats lunch with each other right and i i have done that like when i worked at other retail jobs and stuff like that but i no fuck that like as i'm getting older like i much more prefer to like be like hey i'll see y'all in 30. My, my last few, like, brick-and-mortar jobs, do you actually want to know how I would spend my break? Because it's not the usual way that people spend were you breaks. Were you socializing with your co-workers? No. Exactly. But there's, it's still interesting. I Now I eat my lunch. At the no, pie shop. Now I eat my lunch on my, fifth, my first 15, right? Because I get two 15s and a 30. I eat my lunch on my first 15. I go running for my 30. And then my last 15, there's nobody in the fucking building with me to socialize with. <laughs> so, so, where am I supposed to socialize with my coworkers? So, when I was on break at the pie shop, I would go climb on the roof and try to climb across other roofs in downtown Annapolis. So, you literally climbed to get away from your coworkers. I climbed because it looked fun. To get away from your coworkers. You would rather climb the rooftops in downtown Annapolis then socialize with your coworker. I would go healing around because I bought them as a meme before COVID because what is a more savage disrespect than beating somebody in Smash Brothers and then healing away? Anything other than socialize with your coworkers on your lunch break, right? Which was Gen Z's point and my point. 
If you work in an environment where your coworkers are tolerable, then yeah, I get it. Like having lunch with them or like going out to happy hour with them might not be like terrible, but in lots of places, most people feel like it's forced, right? Like they're, I mean, like it's a whole part of, I believe, Japanese culture that you're supposed, that, yeah, no, that, that, that shit that is, is a big super thing in Japanese expected. Culture right but like gen z is like saying no fuck that like they as we've discussed previously on this podcast they are big proponents of like leave me the fuck alone i don't have to like you because i work with you but i do which have i respect as a mentality I, but that doesn't mean you have to be antithetical to liking your coworker. You don't have to go so hard, right? Like, especially when you find yourself spending thousands of dollars on a social club when you could have just gone out to happy hour with your coworkers. Chances are, most of your parents met while they were working together. <laughs> most of your parents also probably got divorced from going to happy hour with their coworkers. <laughs> so... Oh, I get you why. Always get what you want. I get why Gen Z doesn't necessarily but fuck if you around. Try sometimes with befriending just my fun work colleagues. You get what you need. But do you think it's more beneficial to be spending money on things like gym memberships, trying to socialize with people ooh, after ooh. yoga class, or you going out? going out late at night to do stand-up right like or or do you think it's better to just do happy hour with your co-workers like what which one do you think has more uh cost benefit why not both i mean this is all right i'm once again a weird person to ask no you're not you're the perfect person to ask because you're young you're single and you're currently like in the social networking game Okay, well, I mean, I I love stand-up. It's a lot of fun. It's something that I felt like I could should have been doing. But for... you didn't do that specifically just to meet new people. No, but it is one of the things that did, like, push me to do it. Okay, what's the most expensive thing you spent money on just to socialize and meet new people with? All at once or over time? I mean, I guess, like... Over time, it's definitely smoking. Like weed? Cigarettes. Oh, smoking... It is 100% smoking cigarettes. To meet new people, though, like, I would say, like, you probably spent more money on, like, magic and going to Magic the Gathering tournaments to meet new and socialize. No. Than smoking cigarettes. To socialize, it would probably be card games. Right. To meet people, it would probably be cigarettes. Do you feel like it's easier to make friends with people at card games than it is to make friends with people at work? Legitimate friends? Do you feel like you've made more legitimate friends at card games than work? I will say, uh, yes, I definitely made, I have lifelong friends that I met playing card games before I was 18. So you think, okay, so, because I do feel like, personally, the friends that you are 
going to make at like social clubs or through memberships like gym memberships and stuff like that are probably more than likely be more genuine friendships because it is not a friendship of convenience right like it is a friendship that you guys that was made while doing like a mutual hobby i have made friends from work but those I'm are having a podcast with one of them. Right, right. But in and we worked together over ten years ago for a couple of months. But we also had similar hobbies. Similar and hobbies that we found out from talking to each other, other at work. work. Right, right, right. So do one but, of my other best friends, Great Sage Gavin, a source for this podcast, I met working together. Right. And we talked multiple times a week so so it's entirely possible in your mind to build deep meaningful friendships co-workers with co-workers that extend beyond the workplace to build a genuine friendship with a co-worker that is possible i've also had situations where i've had co-workers who i'm just like you know we're co-workers but we become like friends but we don't like hang out or talk outside of work right I had one time when I was working at the casino, shit go haywire. Like the audio tech called out sick, the lighting tech started to like violently, like throw up violently and everything like that. So that left me who knew bare minimum lights audio to try to do this. So I called my coworker slash friend Joe and I was like, Joe, what do I do? And he's just like, a lot for me to explain over the phone i will be there in 15 minutes and he came in on his day off and he helped me run lights and audio so do you feel like it is more effective to try and build friends out of convenience through workplace or spend the money meet people meeting people who have similar interests as you right Uh, i have one question are you working in a field that you enjoy? Do you feel like... Do you work doing something that you like? So you're saying that if you enjoy working, if you enjoy your job, then... You will be meeting someone else who by other people yeah, that enjoy, enjoy the same thing. Their job. So what you're saying here is is what is beneficial is meeting people who have similar interests as you. Mm-hmm. And if you enjoy your job, which, which I would a- argue most of Gen Z doesn't, then it's easy for you to find people who have similar interests as you. Including hating your job! But isn't that trauma bonding, though? Like, building a mutual relationship on hating your job? Alcohol Anonymous works great. Isn't that trauma bonding? They also tell you not to get into too many relationships with people that you meet while in recovery. I guess those could be intimate relationships, but like... That's literally trauma bonding. Exactly. (laughs) So like... I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like if There are relationships to be built upon a, a variety of different so gen z should not be so afraid to build workplace relationships right but i don't think that they are that guilty for being adverse to it 
right? Because we have seen that there is a, especially right now in today's America, um, there's a, prolifer a proliferation of a dog-eat-dog -dog mentality. But you also said that they are very adverse to uh, socialize or engage with anybody from differing opinions. Do you think that their reluctance to socialize could be because of a hardened outer shell developed from their engagement with people that they cannot agree with? The and their inability to cope, adapt, and handle engaging with these types of people. One article was suggesting that it's actually their lack of that kind of social interaction that is the reason why they are so adverse to engaging with people from different uh, because they've never today. left the thought bubble. Yeah, um, and that you know social media has kind of fostered the ability to create an environment around you that that allows you to be insular within your thought bubble. Right. Um. You don't. If you the like Pokemon, all around me. If you like Pokemon, you don't ever have to talk to anybody about anything else other than Pokemon. If you, we got, will get to Pokemon. I would say that too. I do think that Gen Z could benefit a little bit more from if touching it, grass. If this is really the case, I do think Gen Z could benefit a little bit more from, from touching grass talking to their co-workers and befriending together while you touch grass um and you might find that you don't have to spend as much money on orange theory memberships um i think you all have learned by now that i'm actually the big one <laughs> i um however do think that it is funny that they continue to insist that Gen Z is so difficult to work with when I think ultimately the overall encompassing theme of a lot of these articles is that um, people are resistant to change and this new uh, turn and face <laughs> the strange ch -ch changes this new don't want to be a better man this new incoming workforce has a lot of demands and expectations that I don't think um, the current industry was ready for. Time may change me, but I can't change time. I think in time we will see ultimately who really, um, you know, bins and caves. Will it be, you know, um, office place etiquette or will it be Gen Z? Um, but with that being said, uh, rounding things out, I believe you had a soft move or boss move for I us. I do have a soft move or boss move. Moving on, it's time for soft move or boss move. For our new listeners, those of you that don't know, it is a um, borrowed on. segment. Hold on. From Pause that. I just want to do the sound drop just for myself. It is a borrowed segment from our beloved podcast, the J the late, J the late podcast, Jalen and Jacoby, um, where Dan presents an action committed by a perpetrator, and we have to decide whether or not it is a move of the kind that a boss would make or if it is in fact some bitch ass shit hence a soft move so here is what i found 
a post on x.com <laughs> um uh scrapping the name twitter for x definitely a soft move soft move yeah, 100 someone at the cup just ate their opponent's lost vacuum and called a judge for a deck check are you confused a tad bit well someone else was lame soup responded by saying someone please explain this to someone who doesn't play <laughs> explain it to me like i'm a a, a newbie a in pokemon trading explain card it game, to me like i'm a normie in pokemon trading card game there's local tournaments known as league cups that earn you points to qualify for the world championship okay so they're held to a higher standard than normal local play so this is the pokemon thing you were talking about earlier yes if like normal normal playing you playing friends is like running into a trainer on the game yeah and league cups would be like the trainers you fight on the way to the gym leader i mean yeah i get it one of these standards is having a deck list submitted before the tournament if you have an invalid deck list such as wrong cards or missing cards you can get a penalty including such as a game loss out of your match of two wins out of three games the individual ate one of his opponent's cards to make their deck not match their deck submission and then called for a deck check to which the judge would see that their deck list was wrong because it was missing one card that was now in his opponent's stomach okay so to explain that in layman's terms you have to pre-register your deck and all the cards in it before you participate in competition. Yes, and, so that way you can't change cards in between rounds. And you can be penalized up to all the way forfeiting or losing a round match win for having a misplaced card or a card missing from your deck so that the count is off. Uh, uh, that's not entirely correct, but it's more or less correct, so I'm going to say yes. There's minutiae, but it's irrelevant. Our perpetrator in said story ate one of his opponent's cards and then called a deck check on him. Called a judge to to propose a deck check. Under what under what like okay, pretenses? Okay, so as a card player, but, I'm trying to imagine myself in the guy who ate the card. That's what I'm saying. Trying so, to find a way to sell this. That's right? what I yeah. Under what pretenses? Because if you knew you ate the card and you are now calling a judge over, what is the reasoning for you suspecting that a deck check is even required? Math. So he's counting the cards. Because he, he would have to the be The amount of cards on the board, the amount of cards in their hand, the amount of cards extra that they have drawn, the amount of turns that have gone by, and then the average height of each card inside of a deck. The only way I can imagine this working is this guy was either absolute desperate pulled some crackhead shit i was gonna say fucking autistic because the or only way you would notice planned for this the only way you would notice one single card was missing from a deck is you were autistic no. there's no way no the thing is i'm sorry the, the crackhead shit is, the no. crackhead shit kicks in here no no this is the not crackhead shit kicks no, in here you want to know this why? is not because now you this see guy me must have done it in the middle of a round no. meaning that that guy ate the whole card and the sleeve no you've watched too many that fucking... motherfucker ate the sleeve there you've watched that too many hollywood movies 
he obviously called the deck check at the end. If he's counting cards, like you said, it would have had to be called at the end of the round. That's the smart it, way to do it. You you missed the whole crackhead way to do it. No, no. You, you literally just eat the card. You are no trying. No one sees it and call a judge. You are trying to push this crackhead narrative. Like, because it would be the only way this story was actually entertaining. Because if not, then it's just the desperate pleas of a fucking sad man. Because, yeah, what reasoning did he give in the article for calling the deck check? This actually goes back to a legend of Magic the Gathering of uh, an undefeated deck called the Mountain Dew deck. Cue. Wispy music. This thing is. Alright. Drop some, like, mandolin. Back in your day of your 1990X can't remember the exact date because I am but a humble bod. I was not a witness. There has been two competitors in the trading card game of Magic the Gathering, to which one was getting their keister kicked rather mightily. What did our hero do but lean back into his chair and instead of mitting defeat, grabbed his bottle of Mountain Dew, unscrewed it, took a sip, looked upon thy board of the opponent and spilledeth thy mountain dew all over the table if to which they closed if the mountain doeth put it on their side of the table if and then called the judges to say that their opponent had marketeth cards so I, I take it, um, based on the dramatic reenactment, there was no elaboration as to um, what his reasoning was for. It was just... It was he was getting his ass kicked and he wanted to win, yeah. so he spilled Mountain Dew all of his opponent's cards so he could claim Mark cards and get a win. <laughs> I'm talking about the Pokemon guy. I mean, I get that with the magic. So uh, you're saying that, uh, yeah... If I was a judge in that scenario, yeah, no, and they come over and be like, random deck check, their card, yeah. their deck is not sixty cards, and the board is clearly like mid game. Right. Yeah. That's I, that's why I'm saying it couldn't have been mid game. This crackhead theory that you were proposing, that you were trying to push, it's not working. No, okay. This crackhead you theory like, is the only no. way that I never said the crackhead theory would work. I'm just saying this is why he did it. No, no. There, it, it, he couldn't have done it that way. That would be stupid. You're like the GOP. He's G a crackhead. No, yeah. You're like the GOP trying to insist that Hunter Biden is colluding with China. Stop it. Like, <laughs> it's not. It doesn't work like that. It had to have been the only possible way. I could see this going. Is he claimed he counted the cards at the at the very end of the game he claimed he was counting cards and there wasn't 60 cards played during the game that's also, the only if, way if from somebody who has played countless rounds of tournament card game events have you ever felt like in the middle of a game you could tell an opponent's deck was off i could definitely tell when they were cheating have you ever been able to tell the in the deck? middle of the no. game that they hand? Thank Absolutely. No, no, but you've never called a deck check on an opponent because you thought the fucking card count was off. I was friends with the 
greatest cheater in the history of Yu-Gi-Oh! To the point where I think he just tried to find way different ways to cheat just to see if he could. I mean, at because the... the thing is, he was also a brilliant player. Brilliant player. So no, the answer is no. You've never called a deck check on a player because you thought the card a deck count check was because off. Because if at the end of three games and because you thought like, the card count I was lost, off. and I'm like, Judge, my opponent's deck is wrong, and they're like, What just happened? I'm like, He just beat me in game three. The judge is all writing it to look at me with a side. That's eye. what I'm saying, dude. Like, <laughs> if your plan was I'm gonna eat one of his cards, and then I'm gonna be like, <laughs> He doesn't have the right amount of cards. That's stupid. That's I will st- say there has been a tournament that I distinctly remember where in game one of three, I recognized that my opponent was cheating. I didn't say anything to my opponent, but I was friendly with one of the judges floating around because this was at the top tables because, you know, I'm good as fuck at magic. And... (laughs) And, and, go ahead. I looked at Brent, and I just gave him one of these looks like, so, Shout right, out to game Brent. one, I, I look at my opening hand, it's completely unplayable. I mulligan, go down one card. Now I'm at six cards. I look at my hand, it's completely unplayable. I shuffle one more, and I go to five, and it's a bad five-card hand. But it's more playable than the two that I had. And between every shuffle, my opponent gets the opportunity to shuffle as well, right? Right. So I looked at my hand... And then I looked at my next couple of draws over the turns, and I saw Brent over his shoulder, and I just looked at Brent like eyebrow raised, face like this. Like, you see that? And he looked at me, and he was like, huh? And I was like... I'm not snitching, but I'm just saying... You know what Brent did after that? Sat his ass right next to him. And you know how my hands were the next two games? Fantastic. Because my deck was better than theirs. Was it because you ate one of the cards while <laughs> before Brent got to the table? No, because no. I'm good as fuck at magic. Dude, all right. Um, I'm going <laughs> to have to say that this is totally a boss move, um, boss first move. and foremost. It's a boss move for trying? Uh, yeah, it's bossy. Um, first of all, you you scarf down a card. Like, gross. <laughs> second of all, second of all, what moxie? Right, cause like you gotta really like that's a that's a fucking D twenty roll. Like, like not only that, like as a card player, I'm thinking, oh my god, that's a soft move. But as an outsider, I'm like, this dude is willing to sacrifice everything, okay. even his reputation yeah. in this community. Yeah, that's why for I this said win. it. Now, did he pull the boss move off? No, absolutely not. Um, he did not. He did not roll high enough to complete <laughs> to pull that subterfuge off like that was like some jedi level mind shit that he was trying to make happen and it did so the attempt was a boss, boss move. move yes from an outsider yes can anybody you, inside that community would be like that's you, a soft move can shit. you imagine catching that dude scarfing down his opponent's card like it would have been so fucking hilarious <laughs> to watch this dude like <laughs> i've seen I, i've sat next to some really wild shit that's happened in tournaments watching him t- like do you think he just like crumbled it up and then tried to swallow it or do you think he tore it into pieces look i have seen way too many guns pulled at trading card tournaments okay <laughs> i'm just saying uh the even thinking that you could pull that off 
takes some real boss mentality. Like, all I'm saying is only a boss would attempt to do some shit like that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> By out of proxy, it was a boss move. I'm, as, I'm gonna put my bias aside. <laughs> And I'm gonna say, like, if that guy's really going crackhead all in, that's got that is a boss move. Boss move. He don't even have to go as far as you said. Just the simple fact that he like ate one of his opponent's cards and that then had to have been in a sleeve. <laughs> because if the judge walks over and sees like, what's that empty sleeve? That motherfucker had to have eaten the sleeve. You no, know, he looks that motherfucker's not real. <laughs> This leaves not there. But uh, you know what is real? <gasps> Saving 10% off of your order for Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic the Gathering, Flesh and Blood board games, and card game supplies at tokenmtg.com. If you use the promo code Ziggy, Ziggy at checkout. You get 10% off. That's at tokenmtg.com and at stores at tokenmtg in Edgewater, Maryland. Um, And you can find us at the Flood Pod on everything that, that is, is on everything. everything. And if you want to check me or Doc out at Fells Point Tavern Tuesday, Nottingham's Columbia Wednesday, or Zissimo's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday is probably the only day you'll see me, but you will see me. You can find us there. Um, you can also find us once again at the flood pot on everything. That's your second reminder that that is on everything. If you made it to this episode and our new three episode drop, then congratulations. You're the real trooper. Shout out to Starship Troopers <laughs> and Iron Maiden and Enraged Peacock. Uh, we will see you guys again next week with more pop culture finesse. Look, it's a flood. It's, a flood. it's flooding. Get away. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates.